everyone and welcome to another uh, Scots Way podcast and after our last uh, podcast in Dundee we've moved up the road to Aberdeen where we're going to talk to um, Charlie Bucking from Fit Light Records. Hello Charlie. Fit Like. Fit Like. Absolutely. Writer Shane Strachan. Hi uh, Shane. Fit Like yourself. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John Reid, otherwise known as Mood of Collapse, a uh, blogger about all things cultural in Aberdeen. Is that fair? Yep, yep. Well, thank, thanks for coming <laughs> on, John. <laughs> Trying to bamboozle me with a little window here. No, yeah, that would be that would be the thing to do. Um, before we, I thought a good place to start actually uh, would be to quote from your website, if you don't mind. It's about. So I mean, I think you said this was written a while ago, but it says um, that Moody Collapse, when it was dancing in the dark, is an Aberdeen-based arts and culture blog. It arose from the negative persona that nothing cool or interesting ever happens in Aberdeen, whether that be music, art or other cultural events. To some, the city was a wasteland and they had no interest in changing things. However, I knew a different city, one with a bustling art community and filmed with people who were making things happen. From record labels to art cafes to exhibitions and DJ nights. But this, still this disconnect existed between those in the know and those who maybe wanted to engage but didn't know how. So I started an art blog with the intention of trying to promote, document and join the dots of Aberdeen's cultural landscape. So, with that in mind, do you think that situation has changed? And if so, kind of how? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely more happening than there ever has been. And I think there's more support on an organisational level than there ever has been. Uh, I think there's still a bit of disconnect between events, exhibitions, music stuff and the intended audience sometimes Uh, and I think part of that's maybe looking at how things are promoted and how things are disseminated online, Uh, you know things like setting up an event page for your exhibition two days before isn't helping anyone, Right. you know, so I think there's, there's still a bit of work to be done around that. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I, I mean, I've, I've seen the last 10 years, I mean, it'll be 10 years next week since I started the blog and I've seen massive changes uh, in how things are perceived and, you know, certainly now we're starting to see culture be used as this uh, tool for the councils and for the city as a way to promote itself. Oh, right, that's uh, interesting. Which I think is, is in a good thing in some ways, but... Kind of needs to be so. Do you think it's them recognizing um, that there are people in the city that are creating really interesting stuff, and they've decided we've ignored this for too long, or some bright spark has said, "Let's we can use this." Yeah, I think there's been a, a kind of few different approaches because I think like my girlfriend Mary obviously does like the painted doors project, so it's funded by the local business improvement uh, district, Aberdeen Inspired. So they've acknowledged a gap in what they provide for the city centre as far as getting footfall and stuff and they realised that the art should be part of that and should be quite an important part of it. Uh, I think the council have done quite a lot as well, uh, certainly like Shane could probably speak more about this but like with creative learning you know they do a lot of great work trying to reach into the communities and trying to provide funding and opportunities for people as well. Uh, the big thing we still face I guess is graduate retention Right. You know, people come out of greys and they think they need to go to Glasgow or London to do stuff 
Uh, whereas I've always believed actually you could have an exhibition in your living room or your kitchen or whatever, you know, because that's what guys have been doing for the last 20, 30 years. <laughs> you know, culture exists in the big galleries and stuff, but it also exists in people's houses. Of so, course, yeah. You know, but I've seen a shift away more from that. So there seems to be less people willing to do that stuff. And, you know, the first question is, so like, where's my funding coming from? Yeah. And it's like, well, if you need funding to do it, should you, you know, if that's your your immediate response to something. You've got it the wrong way around. You know, then you maybe need to like, take a step back and have a look at what you want to do, you know? Hey, so Charlie, we were talking briefly um, before we started and you said kind of similar, that you've noticed the difference in the last 10 years. That uh, there seems to be, I mean, the scenes are kind of horrible word, but you know, there, there seems to just be more happening in in the in the city. And you pointed out that the venues are, you know, getting updated or new venues are happening. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, you've got council-owned venues like Lemon Tree and Music Hall, and they're a staple. But the Music Hall, I think, is due to open in December, and they've actually there's an additional venue within the Music Hall now in one of the lower floors. Um, but I think it's more grassroots venues that we lack in Aberdeen, and I think that's what's really holding back any scene. This know. is in the new terms of music, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we used to have um, certainly Dr. Drake's. Um, you used to get alternative touring bands come to places like what's currently known as Krakatoa. It used to be called the Moorings. It was more of a rock metal bar, but you get pretty alternative stuff. Mm-hmm. And latterly, there's a place in Holborn Street called Downstairs that. Um, started off kind of cheesy, and it was a it was a place for getting your first gig, and you you kind of blood yourself at it there. But uh, it closed down as well due to um, noise complaints. But it, it was there's the very few places in Aberdeen where you can see alternative, unsigned, unknown, right, real alternative bands, and that's a real problem. It's holding us back. Um, it, it, I would hope that it means it really drives something underground. People start putting on their own shows and houses, yeah. and certainly, I, I think I had a conversation a few weeks ago with somebody. I don't know if you know any differently, John, but somebody said, "Oh, I hear there's a great electronic music scene in Aberdeen." Is it? Is there? Really? Yeah. The thing is, with electronic music, it's so easy to do that these days. You don't need expensive equipment. Um, you don't need to go to studios. You can do that from your bedroom, you know, and there's lots of platforms online. To yeah, start. sure. You know, and there are there are guys I do here, Erskine Linus, so if you know him, John, he's he's great. Um, there is some good electronic musicians out there, but again, where's that local live platform for them? I don't really see it. Um, so I, I did, but I, I really hope that the only offshoot, positive offshoot from venues not existing or closing down is that it forces people to actually find alternatives, you know, get non-traditional venues. Certainly that's something I've tried to do um, with a label, uh, is try and find places that are non-conventional venues, so whether it's a village hall, whether it's an old library, you know, yeah. there are lots of places that people just don't think to ask, but it's not a music venue, so how could you play there? Ask. You find that most people in Aberdeen are really amenable to actually being asked, can I use that space? Is that for hire? Could we possibly put something on? And I've, I've found that the majority, there's a few places I've not been able to get access to, but by and large, I've found that folk are really amenable to like, oh, you'd like to put on something here? Great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's people just, I think, I'd hope that it forces them to think outside the box. Like, where can I put on some gigs? Yeah, where sure. can I have some shows? 
because most city centres now, for all sorts of reasons, have spaces that are sitting lying empty. And, you know, they would be perfect for these things. And funnily enough, I went to a gig just recently, which was in someone's front room. And that's something that seems to be growing as well, that people are putting on house gigs. Uh, as long as the neighbours don't mind. But what they did was they invited all the neighbours into the gig, so it was absolutely <laughs> worth a treat. So Shane, um, John said, you know, you could maybe say a bit about, about the um, how council is back in the arts <coughs> in Aberdeen. Yeah, I mean, I work for the creative learning team part-time, um, which is part of Aberdeen City Council, and I've done that for three years now. And that's really opened my eyes to, like, what was actually there, that I, as someone who's more... Um, who came as a student to the city when it was the highs of the oil and gas and it felt like there was a lack of culture because there was this focus on drinking, nights out, flashy car type. <laughs> so yeah. they, that kind of feel of this, that's what the society was to then the recession actually turned things around, I think, in terms of arts because of this idea of kind of makeshift, DIY, and things became cheaper. And I started working for the council about that point, and there was a big focus on the graduate retention issue, and that was probably down to the cost of rent and cost of staying in Aberdeen mm-hmm. after you graduated. So we ran programmes um, called things like Sustaining Life as a Creative and tried to help um, folks see how they can earn creative income, basically, in a city like Aberdeen where it can be a challenge. But it kind of helped it work out at the same time where it was becoming a little bit easier. And a lot of the success that programmes come down to the sense of kind of stopping people working in silos. Even with cross organisations, there used to be more of a sense of arts organisations weren't talking to each other. Creatives from different disciplines weren't talking to each other. And suddenly you were bringing them into the same room, building confidence in individuals to kind of progress their careers. And there was a big push mainly for visual artists, designers, because of Grey School of Art. Mm-hmm. But I then myself have seen that, you know, there's all these writers coming out of the Masters in Creative Writing and they were also lost, so I did a similar version called The Writer's Room for writers and that helped me find a community of writers at the same level as me emerging, going towards established and um, now I have like a great proper critique writing group um, and that kind of made me feel more at home in Aberdeen and it's just those things once it's kind of try to build smaller communities within the bigger community that yeah. are talking to each other and that's been the biggest change I think. This idea seen. of collaboration yeah. as yeah. much as you can. I'm interested in the time frame so it really was a sense of when noticeably the money was kind of going out of the city then uh, uh, the arts were maybe seen as more important because previously perhaps council were thought well you know we've got this money in. Yeah there is a bit of that double bind thing of it is um great there's more money going into it and there's more focus from the council but that might be down to focusing things like economic benefit rather than cultural experience and it's trying to get the balance right of actually saying how do you measure cultural experience how do you measure that not in terms of numbers but in terms of how it actually impacts on someone so the one-to-one working with people mentoring coaching I think that's what I've seen has been most effective um, from my role within the council but you sometimes worry about how it's viewed on a bigger scale when you can see the journey someone's been on but um, if it's not you know a thousand people turning up to something like a gig then how is it viewed so it can be quite challenging in that way and I think marketing's been a big issue for Aberdeen I think it's usually where recently in Dundee and Dundee knows how to market itself as a design city Um, and so Aberdeen try to find its own narrative of what's our story and I think it's become a lot about the heritage and the history and bringing in the language and the Doric is part of that, just like fit like records, that being in the name and so on, mm. but also our connections with 
our twin cities and our national connections like New York Festival and um, coming from Savannah. So I think we've kind of tried to find something that's a bit different from other cities and seeing that we're not looking inward, we're actually looking outward. We're just maybe not facing yeah. <laughs> the other cities in Scotland, we're actually facing out to what else is going on internationally. So. Yeah, that's interesting, that idea of finding the identity for your city when perhaps you were so, for years, so strongly identified with one thing. Or, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Glasgow had it, the shipbuilding, and, you know, oh. and Dundee had it, Jam Duke, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, as you see, they've really managed to turn that around mm -hmm. well, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Charlie, when you got, what did you want Fitlight Records to do, basically? You know, you were saying that there's, um, there is different types of music, and perhaps they weren't meeting up or crossing over or getting to know about each other. Was that something that you wanted to do? Because there's different sound and music coming out on the label. Yeah, there is. And it was never intended to be... I mean, the, I guess the name lends itself to, to perhaps more traditional types of music and folk might assume. And certainly I think folk have come to some events and gigs in the past assuming that it's Buffy Ballads. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> I've put on a few things where maybe older folk have come along and they oh, this, what is this? Uh, I mean, I'll give an example. Uh, there was a, a a Doric, an evening of Doric entertainment. That was quite a few years ago, part it on, um, and there was enormous interest in it. But the idea was not um, looking at traditional uses of Doric. It was contemporary. It was people that use Doric as part of their work, yeah. as just part of the course, not using it for nostalgic sakes. Um, not for comedic purposes necessarily, because it's always viewed quite dimly. I think locally it's always been viewed, it's starting to change, but it's been seen as holding people back outside of the northeast. East, you're regarded as a bit backwards if you're using Doric. Right. You know, so you don't use that. And certainly at school, I mean, Shane will be the same, growing up in a rural place, well, coastal town, yeah. it was absolutely frowned upon and it was driven out of you. You don't speak like that. And it is absolutely changing. Um, so I, I put on a, an event called Nefertritz here, which was, ironically, I haven't said it was not about comedy, it was a, a Scotland the What reference, but I was trying to say this is not about Scotland the What and how yeah. to laugh at it. Mm. So we had um, spoken word stuff, um, we had various musical acts. Um, there was actually a, quite a blue comedian, I don't think there's many uh, Doric comedians. <laughs> <laughs> he had strict instructions to... to uh, to pull back on his uh, his blue language. Oh, don't you worry, I'm going to tie on and thing, he said. <laughs> then, within, within five seconds, he dropped a C-bomb. Oh. And me and the organiser, from because it was held at the university, were looking at each other in horror. What did he just say? <laughs> but, you know what, it was great. But there were a lot of elderly people that turned up waiting for both the ballads. You yeah. know, more traditional music, basically. And that's not what they got. Uh, and there was visual, John did visuals in the evening as well. And it was fantastic and people loved it. Um, simply because it's like, wow, people still just use Doric. Yeah. And they do. Day, of course. Yeah. Do. Well, yeah. Well, a, every city, I think, is the same thing. You've got your, um, what's considered working class or regional art um, language, which certainly um, was, if not outrightly discouraged, was never encouraged, you know, in there. In the schools, and I think that's kind of changing a little around the place. But I, I think what's happened with Doric compared to what's happened with Gaelic, you know, is an interesting comparison because that is really promoted. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think you're right, there's still this idea that uh, um, 
uh, direct like uh, Gus Region or something like that is something that shouldn't be it's maybe okay for comedy and Connolly's and nah, like I that. mean we're speaking about identity you could yeah. not get a stronger indicator of regional identity than the Doric dialect yeah sure it's one of the most absolutely. rich and varied dialects you can find in the world absolutely it's mm-hmm. so interesting and varied um, and to think that it really was driven out of you as a child and you you going home and you'll speak the way you speak. Yeah. But you go into school and it's completely different. And I've I've actually got an auntie who's a primary teacher in Inveralahi, which is a wee village beside Frisbra. And she always stuck out to me as a bit of a rebel. And she she always did little projects. Maureen, do you know Maureen? No, no. no. Um, she always did little projects with her classes, and um, she was one of the few. And I think if that was at a man- management level, she would have been chastised. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, this idea of... Uh, when you started up uh, the website and writing about it, um, what was it that you wanted to change? What, what you know? Did you see that there was a problem getting around this idea of a folk scene or anything like that? Or what was maybe expected of um, northeast culture was that something yeah, you wanted to I mean, change I think it was I mean it was the start of social media really coming in yeah and seeing so many friends just being negative about stuff you know in conversations about art and culture and music and stuff it was always kind of oh but you know Aberdeen's kind of crap nothing ever happens and I was like, uh, so many friends were doing exhibitions, there was like Project Slogan had just opened. There was one night I wrote about, I went to like three DJ nights and two exhibitions. And I was like, if you did that in any other city, it would be normal, but in Aberdeen, it's extraordinary, you know? So if I can do that, the only thing that's making me different from the guy that's moaning about nothing happened is the fact that I went to it. And it's not even about saying that everything I went to that night was amazing, because some of it was pretty rubbish. Yeah. But I went, mm-hmm. you know, I went and I could say, actually, that was pretty crap, you know, because I'd experienced it. And I think that was the thing I, I've always tried to get across. It's not about saying, like, everything you're going to see and do is going to be amazing, but yeah. you have to go and you have to engage with it, because otherwise you become part of the problem. You know what I mean? And you're actually actively holding others back from maybe stepping up and doing stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's about trying to reinforce that participation element but in a positive way as well you know uh, and just trying to encourage people but also seeing uh, like Shane was saying earlier about the organisations and these dots of stuff and these silos you know like this organisation does great stuff but they don't support anyone else because they're like publicly funded and they've got their Creative Scotland money and then this organisation is doing great stuff but they don't go to their events because you know, there's weird politics involved. Yeah. And then there's like the little guy here who's just wanting to try and help everyone, but like nobody supports him because nobody knows who he is, you know? <laughs> so it's like trying to say like, well, actually, you know what, guys? Like you want good stuff to happen and you want good stuff to happen and this guy wants good stuff to happen. So if we all just support each other a little bit more, then, you know, it, it, it naturally should create that visi- visibility for stuff and it should create that sense of like, actually, there's a community here and it's open and it's for everyone and it'll engage from the artists and musicians to the guy in the street who has no idea of what it's about, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, that's my vision, that's what I'd really love to see, like, it's just somebody could walk in off the street and go, what's that about? Yeah. And there's somebody there to smile at them, greet them and say, I'll tell you. If you think it's shite afterwards, that's fine. Yeah, sure. But I want to give you the opportunity to understand it, you know. But, but do you not think, John, that there's, there's, there's a natural doorness in the Aberdeen psyche 
and it's been there for a yeah. long time. It is changing. It's yeah, starting yeah. to change because those conversations are now happening I mean, exactly like you're saying. But it's it's an, a distinct Aberdonian thing. Yeah. This dourness, really. Yeah. Down on Aberdeen as a city, and it goes back to the identity. Aberdeen shite. Yeah. In Aberdeen, uh, actually, it's quite a distinct place. And part yeah. of that distinctness is the dourness, but there's so much to be celebrated. But I think people were unable to see that for such a long time and able yeah. to praise it and say, you know what, yeah. we are different. I mean, it's a shame because the city has suffered in terms of its its. Uh, physical environment and how that's been developed where it should have been, we were speaking on the balcony and saying this is the oldest thoroughfare in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and really there's, no, there's none of the original fabric there apart from the name and the street width mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a real shame that Aberdeen's not capitalised on its amazing civic history um, and people, I think partly because of that, don't recognise how special and unique Aberdeen is because yeah. they look around them and they want to be uh, a shiny, gleaming new city. Like they look at other European cities and say, "We need these new buildings." Yeah. Actually, there's a lot to be said for the for the history and the heritage that we've yeah, sadly yeah. neglected it to an extent. I mean, you think that it, when there was a lot of money for some people, obviously not everyone, but in the yeah. city, there was this idea: "Well, well, let's build it, make it new, as you say, new and shiny, and uh, um, and almost that overlooks what happened before." The older, the older buildings, the older thoroughfares and all of that. I think cultural projects in the last few years, I mean, they've definitely changed my perception at least. And I now feel like I could be a tour guide in Aberdeen after <laughs> not knowing anything about what I came. Because um, I was involved with the National Theatre Scotland did Granite, which was celebrating the so Granite heritage, obviously, Granite industry, but they also were celebrating different sort of local heroes from across time. And then me and Charlie ended up actually meeting through a project called On Real Estate, um, which was for the Look Again Festival which celebrated different buildings on Union mm-hmm. Street. And I was like, how did I not know these things yeah. about these buildings? And it's actually through the cultural project that, you know, I gained the knowledge rather than being asked to do something because I already have that knowledge. It's just the learning experience is amazing through... Um, and I just think, oh, God, I wish everyone could be a creative and be mm-hmm. involved from that side as well because mm-hmm. they get really get a more of an intimate sense of the city now. And so that, that idea that local history perhaps wasn't, or, or regional history even, wasn't, promoted in schools or in, yeah, in that way. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one, obviously one major problem across Scotland, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is, absolutely. Yeah. I think that also highlights another issue that we kind of face, like even within the cultural sector, is that we all have our kind of isms or our specialist areas. You know, so Charlie's music, you're writing, I'm kind of visual art stuff. And we tend to stay within those bubbles, whereas for me it's like, I love Aberdeen. I think it's one of the best places I could possibly live. And the reason is because we have writers and we have musicians and we have artists and we have filmmakers and we have theatre and we have architecture and we have a beach. You know, and it's it's looking at all of those things that make up the culture and trying to make people maybe understand that, I think. You know? I think like that's, that's probably how we met in the first place is because I think we were quite similar in that respect. Um, don't, not so much now, but when I started up the label, we did put on a lot of shows, and okay. there was a lot of cross-discipline stuff. John was coming in doing visuals. We did something at 17, we had a film show, and somebody made a, a short film about socialism in the city and the trade unions, showed that, put on a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trying to get artists involved with musicians as well, and I mean, that's important for me as well. The music is, yeah. mm-hmm. it's not just about the music, it really is about what, how is this music presented, Let's not just try and get a nice cover. 
mean, the, the art you can see behind me, it's a, an artist um, called Steve Murison that we climbed up Loch Nagar recently with. <laughs> and, um, That's how close they are. And uh, I'd, I'd said, Steve, would you fancy doing some artwork? And he threw himself into it and he listened to the tracks and he took back a couple of paintings and described in great detail how they linked with the music in, in every song and how it was represented through his art. And it was, it was incredible, really amazing, to have somebody pay so much attention and detail to your own art sure, and express absolutely. it through their own. You know, and that's a big... I, th I think that's so gratifying for, yeah, for both. Absolutely, um, and it helps both as well. Like, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I had a similar sort of experience. This, last year I was starting to get to the point where I was like, is there anything left to do in Aberdeen that I've never involved <laughs> me? And then um, the National Theatre Scotland came up and did this thing called One Day to Play and you could meet different disciplines and artists. And I really wanted to be paired with a visual artist because I'm probably more interested in visual art than writing, <laughs> but weirdly enough. And then I did get paired with one and we were sent out to listen in on folk and she was sketching people in the street and I was listening to conversations, but I verbatim theatre piece. And we ended up creating this whole show around bus shelters in Aberdeen. Oh, wow. And just when I thought there was nothing left for me as a writer that uses Doric, next fashion I had in my hair, I've got this whole other kind of resource now of stuff that we listened to across four months uh, going around these shelters. And it just made me go, God, there's a whole other project in this and we want to do more with it. But just to think this time last year, I was thinking, like, what else is there? What's left? Um, so I think that's a surprising thing. It's you kind of get to a point where you do everything in your own discipline, and it's that exciting point actually you start to reach out where things can really change. Your career can really change as well. Because mm. I thought I wouldn't go back into theatre again, just kind of focus on prose, and now I'm kind of being pulled Pull right back, back across. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, the city's a, it's got a well thought of art school and the university in the right course, as mm. you say. <laughs> has that been helpful for the culture as a whole, or has it been? Um, actually a hindrance in that sense of joining you said visual arts I think Grey's has got a fantastic reputation yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean certainly I mean a lot of the stuff that was that got me interested in the first place was friends who were graduating from Grey's mm -hmm. and they all came out with this energy and this vibrancy and they all wanted to do stuff and quite a few of them like Sarah Stanley has got the cafe in Glasgow now uh, which is a kind of pay what you want charity cafe mm -hmm. but she modelled that in Aberdeen you know so it started here it was cafe, gallery, uh, put on some really weird experimental <laughs> shows, put on some really amazing shows. Uh, the sandwiches varied from day to day. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way, you know. But it was almost a little bit too ahead of its time, you know. Yeah. So it didn't quite get the support it should have. Uh, but I've, I've seen that change. Like, I do feel like the students come out of Grey's now and they kind of want it handed to them. You know, they don't want to have to, like, figure out how they're going to do stuff, you know. Uh, or, you know, if they're, if they're able to secure funding, they'll get a space and they'll do, like, two shows over three months. And it's like, guys, you guys should be having a party every fucking weekend. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, exactly. That's how you build up support and build up, like, enthusiasm for what you're doing. Like, you know, it's good to have the white cube and to do the nice stuff and to put the nice artworks up. But, you know, you have to do the, the things that get people in, you know. Uh, and again, it's like I was saying, it's where everything should really start to cross over. It's like we used to do DJ nights, but we always had projections and visuals. So we'd have a visual artist would come, whether they had made their own animations or they did live VJing. But then we'd also have artists painting wooden boards and we'd have live art happening that way, you know. 
uh, and we tried to do it in a way like it wasn't just like a spectacle it was like these are our friends and we what we appreciate them coming and making work you know and half of that stuff would end up in my house at the end of it <laughs> which was always good but but it was trying to show people you know you can have like a banging techno set with cool visuals and somebody painting next to it like you yeah. don't have to separate everything out you know uh, but again like in the last couple of years like it's just kind of slowly fizzled down again, you know. Well, it's interesting. There's a there's a guy um, you'll know him, Jamie Dyer. Mm. I come across Jamie on social media because he posted up a picture of this building. Right. Now, to anybody obviously doesn't know Cement Cove, it's quite a brutalist um, concrete high rise, um, and it, you often at the bottom see photographers, college students, filmmakers. Um, using it as a, a backdrop and he's just graduated from uh, Grey's and his his whole final year thesis was around the building but also the social aspect to it and he's somebody that lives his art and he wants to stay in Aberdeen, he loves this building um, but a, a big part of his research in his fourth year was looking at how do people in these buildings live, how do they interact with one another, he spoke to residents, he actually lives here now, Right. he got himself a flat and rents it um, but all his work revolves around the building, but there's that social aspect, and he's somebody that wants to make a change. It's all very well making art, and people can see it and think, yeah, that's that's nice. He wants to change things, and he's he, there's a social room at the bottom that's never used, and he started to get residents along to actually meet one another and to just to chat. Mm. So it's almost like having an artist in residence. Oh, in very building. much so. Um, and I absolutely love his work. It was I went up to the degree show this year and it, I thought his stuff was a standout. I loved it, mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. Um, and I, I don't know if that's indicative of other graduates this year, but he certainly stands yeah. out for me as somebody who yeah. recognises the city. Yeah. And, you know, these high-rises are actually quite unique. They're built to a much higher standard than the ones, a lot of the ones down in, say, Glasgow, mm -hmm. that have disappeared in the last 10, 20 years. Um, yeah. I think, but I think he's like a great example of how an artist can, you know, all great art unites people. Yes. And it, and it helps to create community, but it has to have that access point. Mm -hmm. And Jamie creates that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, he's actively working to engage people and to yeah. have those conversations and do stuff. And I think that's maybe something that's missing yeah. from the art school experience is that, you know, you have power and you have agency. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to go out and speak to people as well. Like, yeah. you can't just wait for them all to come to you, and, you know. Yeah, a lot I've of the work I've done with Creative Learning is that you catch people a year after art school when they're, they're out of the bubble now and they've had the graduate show and they've maybe had some other successes and then things have just died off and there's mm -hmm. the shock of, how do I do this myself? <laughs> and it's that kind of building skills around artist statements in a way that's maybe more approachable outside of the art school and applying for jobs, applying for funding that, we've got to step in with but I do think even from my own interaction with Grays and um, with the World Centre at the University of Aberdeen um, there is obviously a more push I think for academic places to reach out with through public engagement or whatever but they're doing a, a really good job of it in Aberdeen and it's becoming more connected with often like Grays that's pushing for business links and but designing products for purposes and sure. companies and there's a lot more of that engagement and connection happening and I think that's pushing a lot of the students to think ahead of the game and there's been a lot more artist collectives from second and third year students that have come out of, they're just surprised everyone and being they're so ahead of the game compared to 
maybe students 10 years ago who would just wait till they've finished their degree before even starting to think about how can I um, create a career now. Yeah. Um, like I'll be going in <clears throat> next, they started this next term to speak to third year students about Bill Gibb who I'm writing about in my own work. And it's just that thing of, uh, it was announced I was doing this project about Bill Gibb and then suddenly the connections happen because grades are reaching out because they actually want to have that multidisciplinary um, thing. So I'm learning about fashion, which I never thought I would be, and it's really interesting to me now, but I'll actually be able to see, I'll be going in and speaking to the students about what's your process, because I need to learn this to write my novel, but also then I'll be helping them with how do you write your artist statement, how, how does that work, so we're sharing our disciplines. So, so that, that's, that, that's reflected that absolutely in music just now as well. Uh -huh. Just in the last couple of weeks there was NAFCO, the North Atlantic Fiddle Convention, right? Um, which... It was in multiple venues throughout the city and Aberdeenshire. Um, and I went to a couple of shows, absolutely fantastic. And they could have left it at that, but there was a lot of outreach workshops with the public. Come and, come and hear people speaking about the writing process. Come and learn how, you know, what certain traditional instruments look like and sound like. Um, and some of them are you know, workshops just to improve your own playing. Um, but the amount of workshops for the public to engage with were incredible. Yeah. The whole menu, uh, I mean, they did it over a, a space, I think, five days, and they had dozens uh, of workshops during the day for people to come and drop in if they wanted. So but I'm finding there's a lot more of that as well. I think it was the same last year. They had a lot of mm -hmm. unusual, more traditional uh, instruments from other countries as well, and people would come and, and learn all about these instruments and how they could play them. Yeah, it's, and it is breaking down that barrier, you know yeah. I mean? Art... Uh, in the community, often the community doesn't know how to get at the art, and it has mm. to be that it's almost taken and, and, and shown that, you know, this is for you as much as it is for anyone else. Mm. And you know, the festivals are interesting, I think, because as far as I know, there's, there's quite a big festival set up here, yeah. right? mm. the ones I kind of know about, the Sound Festival and the XPO North Live, is that... That used to be here, but it it's got shifted up to Inverness. Oh, which right. So it's the Creative Media Festival. Yeah. Um, but it started off in Aberdeen, but it's one of those things that <laughs> people don't realise it was a music festival here. Yeah. Um, it was your first one. I right? got pinched. Oh, dear. <laughs> or moved on. If I ever do one of these in Inverness, I'll have a. It is a great one. festival, to be fair to them. So. But there are. There are <laughs> and that's true north as well. It's coming up in September. It's a music festival. Yeah. And they get some pretty big names coming up for it. Got Mogwai? Yeah, Mogwai. Mm -hmm. yeah. And does that help the, that when, when those kind of festivals happen, do they involve local musicians or does it tend to be here's a festival, you're smiling at town? <laughs> I, I think Glasgow. <laughs> does just Glasgow well, go for a jolly up to the northeast? Is that there's a couple of things. I think I, I think when they first uh, the True North Festival emerged, it was kinda it was almost billed as highlighting local talent, but in focusing, but where's the local talent? Mm. But it comes back to, if it's not there in the first place, yeah, sure. yeah. and I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, there are some very talented people in the North East, <clears throat> but ultimately, if it's a festival, they need to justify it, they need to get bums on seats, they need to sell yeah. tickets, Yeah. so they do get in big names, they're not from here, we don't have those names here. Yeah. I mean, like Catherine Joseph, obviously, is from this area. Yeah, yeah. And she always brings people. But, you know, we don't have that many Catherine Josephs. No. To be no. fair, Charlie, I did DJ at one of the three doors. Oh, well, there you are. After the bands were finished. So, you know. So, uh, well, that's, that's not a criticism because obviously John Reed's DJ'd. <laughs> um, all vinyl. Well, I mean, obviously Katie, as best girl, played it. She supported Richard Hawley at the, 
His Majesty's. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big thing for her. That was a big, big show. Um, and it benefited her enormously. And this is your daughter Kate Buckingham. Yes, mm-hmm. aye. Um, and I think it's not. An, it's absolutely not an unwillingness to not put on local acts, but mm-hmm. they have to make sure that people are going to come and see them. People know who they yeah. are. So uh, it's a it's a difficult one, I think, for organisers. It's the same with the arts festivals. Uh, like look again in New York, in terms of you want to bring in names that people internationally know so they yeah. might come to Aberdeen but then how, how do they connect with the local community and bring in artists yeah. and yeah. there's always that balance I'm sure John could say more about this in terms of new art and painted doors and that but yeah. um, that's been probably the most significant festival we've had in the last few years yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I was going to say as well it's like there's nothing wrong with other talent coming up here no, and no, I think no. it's important for us to see places like Dundee and Edinburgh and Inverness and stuff, and actually build better links with them. So I think that's another yeah. part of the Aberdeen problem is a slight snobbery, like, well, but what about Aberdeen? And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, you know what, like, Aberdeen's had what it's had, and we need to get past that, I and mean, we need, need to say, you know what, Dundee's doing amazing things, let's work with Dundee. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not just try and replicate what Dundee's yeah, doing yeah, or replicate their successes, you know? And like you were saying, yeah, with, with the New York stuff, you know, one of the, the big criticisms that, or one of the only real criticisms we've had has been, oh, it's, it was great and I loved it, but I'd like to see more Aberdeen artists. And it's like, well, first of all, we haven't cultivated artists that work in that sphere. So yeah. we don't really have uh, kind of street artists in Aberdeen. We've got a couple now who have kind of come off the tail of, of new art and have been inspired by it. Uh, we have graffiti writers as well. So we have a kind of very small pretty much a one-man graffiti scene in Aberdeen uh, You know, the only guy who's been busted numerous times, he's so dedicated, he's still yeah. painting. Uh, you know, so it's, it's yeah. You talked uh, um, about a kind of drain, a graduate drain, that people, you know, graduate and go away. I think as well, it happened with music, you know, I was thinking about uh, Aberdeen bands, um, like Andrew Montgomery's Geneva, when I remember that, yeah. you know, and I think Andrew's down and he's certainly nearer Glasgow these days. And you mentioned uh, Catherine Joseph, and I know Joe Mangos from up this way, Ross White, who's kind of electronic music, yeah. you know. Is, mm-hmm. And in fact, the only one I could think of that I knew for sure that was still up here was Little Kicks, who have been up here and going for quite a while, I think, like that. And is, is that still a problem that the, the folk kind of leave Aberdeen? In, in terms of music, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. if, certainly, let's look at, say, if you're looking at the whole northeast region, traditional musicians, then they are going to gravitate towards like the Royal Conservatoire in Glasgow. Yeah. So Iona Fife, it's a good yes, example yes, for one play, uh, Aberdeenshire. She's fantastic. She's really making a name for herself. Yep. Um, you know, and she is absolutely going places, but she needs to be down where where it's all happening. She's studying. She's. She, I think she's coming to end the Royal Conservatoire. So she she needs that. Um, I mean, she's chose to go down that educational route. That's what, but I mean, most of them do. Yeah. But as far as a traditional scene, we were speaking about the Blue Lamp. That's yeah. there, and I've I've spoken to a few people about this. The traditional music musicians, they'll go to those, those sessions, and you'll you'll see some incredible sessions there. But they all go down to Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, I I think it would take, especially the traditional music, it would take a lot to make somebody who's got real aspirations to make a career in music to stay in Aberdeen. But as far as bands go, ah. Uh, I mean, I don't exactly think right. they need to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. It's different these days, whereas before you had to go down to Glasgow, you had to go to London to make it. 
I don't think you need to because people are so much more mobile these days. Yeah. People can make a noise about their music online. I think that's absolutely right. And I don't think there is the need. Traditional music's maybe different, um, but I don't think otherwise. But bands still do it. They still yeah. head off down to Glasgow or Edinburgh. Um, maybe the only exception being Katie who moved to Glasgow and came back because she didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Good old best girl athlete, sticking it to the man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, your, your record, C.S. Buckingham Friends, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got Iona Fife, it's got Elizabeth Russo on it, mm-hmm. it's got, to remind me who else is on it, Stephen from Little Kicks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so say, why did you choose to do that record in that way? Was that just to show that there was other musicians that were around? I, and I didn't <coughs> actually answer your question before about why labels started up. Yeah. It was for that purpose, it was to provide a platform for a, a network of people, because I realised um, we're all doing great things, but we all play on one another's records, but we all sound distinct from one another, and it was like, let's start something up to actually provide this platform so people can shout about it. And that's why it started up. Um, and. Yeah, I guess I guess the CS Buckingham record was a little bit like that. It wasn't quite as contrived, actually. Mm-hmm. It was just one song that I can't sing this. I'm rubbish on this. <laughs> I wonder if it was actually Stephen Mills. Like, Steve, do you fancy singing on this? And I was like, that's great. That's really good. And then Katie had sung and won. I was like, this is not best girl athlete. This is one for me. But she sings it better than me. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask other people to sing. So it, it actually wasn't really that contrived. It just happened by mistake, really. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens it came out rather nice. Um, but actually, just today, I was, I was, I've written another album, but I was quite determined to make it my own this time. But then I realised the exact same thing. Like, I would love somebody to sing that. Oh, and that, I could imagine this person. Oh, and that. Oh. So it looks like I might be a CS fucking and more friends. <laughs> more friends. <laughs> and even more friends. Keeps the <laughs> I've, done, I've done four on my own as me. So yeah, I, yeah. I've done it with friends and seem to like it a lot. And as do other people, so maybe do it again. Who knows? Um, you mentioned kind of the, how things have changed about getting music or everything, all kinds of art out there, you know, uh, online. Since you started the, the website and doing your blog, what have, we, have you noticed about that, uh, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like seeing the stuff that we've had over the last few years has been, I mean, obviously new art, I, I would say, has been the biggest change. You know, it's, it's big, pretty pictures on walls, which, you know, can get a bit of criticism. But, you know, so many people s- said, this is the best thing Aberdeen's had since it's mm-hmm. all ships. And it wasn't so much the fact that it was putting pictures on walls, but it was something that people could relate to, say, Glasgow mm-hmm. or Edinburgh. And they said, you know what, Aberdeen's, Aberdeen's got this now, so we're now cool, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that was really important for a lot of people Definitely. to be able to feel like they live somewhere, that these kind of things happened, you know? But also with the street art stuff, it's so engaging, you know? There's like, it's taking local history and putting it on walls. Uh, it's taking international artists and putting them into the city. But then it's also trying to provide those opportunities for local people as well. You yeah. know? So we do like the tours, for example, and I'm one of three tour guides. And I say to people at the very start, like, I'm not here to give you a lecture for an hour and a half about street art. If you see something, point it out to me, because I might not know about it. This is a shared experience. Sure. And it's about us as a group taking in art, looking at the architecture, exploring the city, and just having a, a good time together and doing it as a group, you know. And I think that's where the real kind of power has been. And obviously things like uh, Mary's Painted Doors as well, you know, it's like actually taking artists out of their studios and putting them on the street has been massively powerful 
uh, for showing off what we actually have here. And again, it's, it comes back to that thing of, you know, the artists are happy in their studios and they'll go to Edinburgh and put a piece in the RSA. But it's like, well, do, you, do the locals know what you're up to? Like, Addy, you, like, you're shown in London, you know? Like, you're becoming an international name and, like, half the people in Aberdeen probably don't even know who the hell you are. You know, so that, that, that's why I wanted to try and provide. That's what, what the blog kind of aims yeah, at. Yeah, sure. Is, is documenting some of that stuff and that work that's happening behind the scenes and giving it a repository. And I've kind of realised what I've done maybe isn't so much promoting stuff to the best of my abilities, but then I work full time. Yeah. Everything I've done has been in my spare time sure. pretty much. But it's created a, an archive that I think we can look back on now and I can look back on and I can say, here's the answer to the question, does anything ever happen in Aberdeen? And it's like, overwhelmingly, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. And I only cover what I'm able to cover. And I obviously have my own biases and my own politics with people as well. So there's a whole other spectrum beyond that that isn't even covered. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so like, I think so, that's right. I think you know, um, uh, blogs like that, uh, like yours and, and other people's in a similar way, are the place that people will then go back and go, well, then what was happening in... 2010 to yeah. 2015, you know, and, and you think that's what it is. It's not yeah. people writing it down or researching it through libraries or any yeah. of those kind of things. Um, in terms of writing uh, up here, I mean, you were at university, did a creative writing course there. Um, is there a more kind of street level writing scene in Aberdeen? Is there are things going on? There's, there is plenty. I think, I guess, what I've being here and what I had issues with and what I think has changed is that it used to feel like there was a lot of beginners groups and it was all at the beginners level and then a few people who just had taken that, that bit further and obviously then there's the pool to go to Edinburgh or Glasgow to get nearer the publishing industry, the publishing scene and I've almost been tempted down that way mm -hmm. myself and then realise oh actually it's, it's not as much of a competition, I would be the back of a queue if I went down there and you, once you're known and people can approach you to do things um, there's and there's so much going on and there's so much happened in the last few years and I mean at Creative Learning we hosted the um a fellowship, the Dr. Gavin Wallace fellowship, we hosted it last year. Oh yeah, yeah. And to meet I mean, to see the applications that came through for people who could write in that theme and that topic who are huge writers who are applying for it, um who it was more than a young the playwright that got it in the end who was brilliant and wrote five plays so um, we got, like all, all these things were happening but we were also trying to get her to connect with the local scene and she was just like wow it's, there's actually so much happening in the city and so much promising new talent um, coming up and from the writers I've worked with a few of them have now got agents um, have secured publishers have maybe moved away um, but they're, they always come back for critique groups because they've actually found that this was the starting point of that journey towards maybe being more professional so I think, yeah, my perceptions of what I thought the writing scene was like um, when I first came here to prepare to now, it's, I, I just yeah, feel so connected to it, I can't really see how I would have a similar career anywhere yeah, else. Yeah. Um, totally, yeah, just, uh, yeah, my, I can make a living here, which I don't think other folk can say yeah. um, in some of the other cities in Scotland. So, yeah, a lot of folk have said as well, that if you want to cut your costs, go to Aberdeen, because if there's a job, I mean, job applications, we do get low amounts of job applications coming in for really important, significant cultural posts. And it's insane and because people maybe don't think to come here, but the folk who do are going, wow, look at all these experiences I'm getting. Um, there is actually so much to, to have and come and get here. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> 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 and get lots of funding because we didn't get the City of Culture bid. 
the council did put a lot of money. It's the money that they would have spent on the 2017 set of culture bid they put into culture. And having that financial backing has allowed a lot more to happen for individuals and organisations. But there is obviously now 2017's past, the threat that that will die off. But so many things have popped up, like new art, like um, the Natty Maroons, which is more new studio spaces, which was really needed for so long. Yeah. And the only thing I think for me that's missing now is the buildings to reopen because I really miss the art gallery yeah. <laughs> and the music hall and things like that. And that is when you're in that phase where things are still being constructed and built up, it is a bit frustrating, but um, things like New York and that make up for it, totally make up for it. And is there a real kind of general excitement that these buildings are being kind of repurposed and are going to... Yeah, yeah, but here, well, being in the council, I cannot, can hear more about what's going to happen with ah, the gallery right. and that, but I've been going into the Treasure Hub, which is a new facility which holds all the galleries and treasures, I guess, and I've just blown away with what's actually been hidden away from the public before when it was open mm. and what will now be able to be shown in the new space, and um, it's really exciting, like, just, I've been looking through Bill Gibbs' work in there, and they've got the most, out of anyone, 2,000 items, and I really? was like, this is a much bigger job I've got myself <laughs> into, I realise it. So, in an educational like, sense, I think you should tell us who Bill Gibbs is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, me and Charlie are from Fraser, but he's uh, one of the, few, uh, I suppose there's a few, a fair few amount of famous people from Fraser, but that aren't as known as they should be. And he was a fashion designer who made it big in the 60s and 70s um, in, in London and had a global okay. international career dressed Elizabeth Taylor um, Bianca Jagger and he was yeah but he's undersung definitely so that's why I, I felt compelled to write about him because um, all that we have in Facebook is like a, a, a wee bit in the Heritage Museum um, yeah. and deserves a lot more so mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping to do um, that's yeah. really interesting yeah, yeah. yeah we'll see <laughs> um, and to stick on kind of literature, when mm. you're talking about, we talk, spoke about the language and, 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 and uh, use of Doric. Is there a Doric literature that is, our, you know, maybe not even historical, but which is happening now? Yeah. Are, are yeah. people more likely to write uh, in that way? Um, I think people feel more validated and encouraged to write now. Um, there was just the last week a, transla a Doric translation of Jane Eyre was released, um, written by Sheena Blackhall, and we've oh, had wow. the Bible translated into Doric, which has actually been really influential in terms of people realising what you, how much Scots there is to be yeah. to use. Um, I did a, I did the Doric translation for um, the new cultural strategy for the city and. Uh, at first I thought, how am I going to do all these technical terms in Doric? Then you realise, we've got, yeah, we've got words for all of it. Yeah. Um, I, I use Doric, I try and make it more accessible uh, to try and get published outside of the area. That is the issue. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I find it harder to, my agents also struggle in terms of trying to convince publishers that this is something that, but it's actually, you sometimes find that English publishers are more excited by it because they think it's something new. <laughs> and the Scottish publishers are like, oh no, no one will get this. And even though half of them probably speak a version of Scots themselves. So it's always that perception problem. Um, but Morna Young, who I worked with last year, who we hosted for the Gavin Walls Fellowship, her, her work's all in Doric. And um, one of the success stories of that was that uh, there's a play called I, Elvis, um, which is about a Doric female, a female Doric, um, Elvis impersonator set in Torrey. Let's <laughs> now we have a full fringe Edinburgh Fringe Festival oh, and it's been touted as one of the big things to look out for and we couldn't have asked for a better response. And um, Joyce Faulkner is amazing as Doric Elvis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that is yeah, that's the sort of thing that yeah, now it's going to be in Edinburgh for an international audience, a yeah. fully Doric play. 
So just it shows it can work. And but I think that kind of gets to the heart of a lot of what we talked about is you know getting the community feeling. It's part of the community is hearing the language that you you were saying you speak at home or that you know you heard in the playground or whatever in art in mm. on the page or in a song or whatever. Then folk go, oh yeah, I understand that, and that's mm. for me, and that's my community. And I think that was lost in a lot of parts of Scotland for Aye, so so absolutely. long, and they didn't do that. Mm. And it was a. Uh, so I, that, I think, is central to a lot of the changes that are, are happening all mm. over. Mm. Um, well, before we finish up, what um, suggestions, if you let's start with you, Charlie, what would you say is exciting you about what's either happening now or coming up? And that can be on the label or it can be whatever you like. I, I've selfishly been so focused on myself lately. <laughs> yeah. I've actually been neglecting other things. And... Knowing that you were coming up, I was looking at the label Bandcamp the other day and it was it was quite I amazed myself, I was like, holy moly, I've done quite a lot. Right. And I've really took a back step in the last probably couple of years because Beska Laughleet took off more than expected and then started doing my own thing and that got a bit more notice than I expected also. Um, so, so I've actually been trying to think. A lot of the projects I've done in the past have been really collaborative, trying to get people working to a theme, working together. So I'm kind of planning out a new project, which is ultimately trying to pair musicians together, um, working cross genre, um, and that's something that any projects I've done, people love doing it, yeah. respond so well. Um, but like I say, I think I've been focused on my own music over the last couple of years, so I'm I'm kind of trying to look at how I can get involved again with other people. So for me, that's that's what's coming up. In Bringing a few genres together, maybe. Uh, John, whoops. Uh, so me and my partner Mary, who's sitting next to me, but she's a bit shy, <laughs> so didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I think we're going to have to get Mary to talk about the Doors project. If you don't mind. If you don't want to hear, we can cut it out. Don't worry. Uh, we've, we've just set up our own art studio together uh, in Rosemount, so... Although it's our kind of studio where we make work and it's not a huge space, we think it's important to open up to the community and try and have a space that maybe, for example, we're speaking about the music stuff, there's a lack of small venues. For us, we have that on the art sense that we can have like a graduate show or like somebody wants to do a small community project, we can have them in. So we've just applied for funding uh, for the, the first time I've ever applied for funding, I think, uh, to try and... Kind of a, That's never a, a pleasant experience. I know. I, was, I said that. It was like nothing makes you doubt what you're doing, like writing a bloody funding application. But uh, but we think we did a strong one, so we're hoping that we'll get some money for the council, and it'll just help us to. I mean, we're going to do it anyway. This yeah, is the thing. sure. Regardless of what we get, we're going to do what we want to do. But it just helps with everything. So we're looking at yeah, <laughs> a couple of small shows with friends. We've got a couple of kind of street art things we're working on, some painting shows, and yeah, just like trying mix things up you know we'll have a, an opening Charlie can come and play if he wants uh, you know we'll maybe have some like live, live art happening but just yeah just trying to create a nice underground space that people can come and feel part of you know it's not yeah. just stepping into our living room and you have to kind of watch your P's and Q's it's like we want a space that people feel invested in uh, and then just continuing to support all the other projects we're working on and trying to uncover all this amazing culture that I've just heard about from Shane <laughs> and Avenue, you know? But I think except, I mean, accessible yeah. spaces, going back to what Charlie said earlier, about music yeah. venues are so important that yeah. folk feel 
that they're welcome in because often that's not the case. You know, if you go to a space which is in the university or in a, an art school, then I think sometimes people feel they're not mm -hmm. invited. Mm -hmm. yeah. Inviting spaces, that's the thing. Yeah. Shane? Uh, I think as well as the art gallery, which will reopen next year, um, for me, the theatre scene, I think, is picking up again, and there's a lot happening, and one group in particular are called Ten Foot Tall, right. and they've been taking advantage of that, how they play with space, and they've had uh, plays on in uh, Brewdog and in sort of unusual spaces, that, and they've also done things like you find out where the play will be on the day, so that people just have a secret staging kind of idea, so that people actually don't even know what they're going to go see, and they get to see something they might not have thought to go to. Um, and they did a great job of bringing, um, putting on Chekhov in, a, in Underdog, underneath Brewdog, and you just think, would people go see Chekhov if it was in one of the other traditional theatre spaces? Um, the crowd that was there, probably half of them know. Yeah. And it was just that kind of, they're, they're, built, they're, they're basically growing and growing, so 10 foot tall, I think, are, are next year, I think they're going to be kind of on the bigger national scene, they'll be getting picked up on a lot so because Aberdeen theatre is not something I know at all but has it been strong in the past or has it yeah well I think it had a you know, comedic Scotland the what roots um, there's the annual student show which is a, a big deal but I think it was big in the 60s and 70s and then has had kind of struggled mm -hmm. to because we don't have a, we don't have a, anywhere for people to study yeah. drama uh, and I think yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. it's always a problem but now um, there's there's been a bit of turnaround in that, and people actors are coming back after their degrees rather than staying down in London because there is work here. So that's been exciting over the last two three years. Well, it sounds like uh, there's also a lot going on. So um, I'm pretty excited to see what happens from that. But listen, <laughs> thanks everyone for talking to us today. That's been great. Thank you, Charlie. Alistair, thank you. Thank you, Shane. Thanks. Thank you, John. Thanks for coming up. Thank you, Mary, for being here as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be back soon um, with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.